Welcome to the Solo BG Podcast. In this podcast, we talk about solo and cooperative games. We also bring you news, audio unboxings, Kickstarter updates, and interviews with amazing personalities around the industry. We hope you enjoy this episode. And now, here's your host, Derek Rodriguez. Hello, my friends, and welcome to another episode of Solo BG Podcast. Derek here, and I'm so happy to be with you for another episode to talk about board games. Of course, if this is your first time in the podcast, I welcome you. And in this podcast, we, of course, we talk about board games mainly, or not, you know, not exclusively, but mainly about uh, solo and cooperative games. But you know, we also take over competitive games as you will see in this episode if you haven't had a chance to check out the previous episodes you can find them in any streaming service that you like or you prefer either spotify google play amazon music itunes wherever except youtube because that one we haven't uploaded the episodes yet uh, we have about 124 episodes so you can go and check them out remember that solo bg podcast it's part of the Dice Tower Network, and you can check other amazing podcasts on the website of the Dice Tower. You just go under the podcast or network section, and then you will find them all there. Um, I want to also thank the Dice Tower, because uh, recently we found out that we are among the top, or the hotness, I guess, of the, on the on the podcast uh, from the network. So thank you very much to all of you amazing listeners. And like our tradition, well... Before we talk about the games that we're going to discuss today, we want to take the DeLorean and go back in time to 100 episodes ago to see what we were talking about then and to see if we actually still keep that, those games or that game in particular or not. Because in the past, at the beginning of the episode, we used to talk only about one game per episode. So you get the idea. Back in April 25th of 2019... We had an episode that lasted 52 minutes, and on that episode, we mainly talk about Thanos Rising, um, which is a one to four players cooperative game, um, basically um, rolling dice, and you're allocating those dice in different cars that you have in a sort of like a rondelle, or kind of like in the middle of the area, and then in the in the middle of the board, there's Thanos, and looking at different directions and different areas and trying to kill different heroes and, 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 and allies and and even ships, I remember. Uh, so um, it's a fun game. Uh, you know, you roll dice and you allocate them, as you say, and you have your tableau of heroes, and you're basically trying to um, defeat the bad guys. I, I believe if you, if I remember correctly, if you defeat a certain number of bad guys, uh, you win the game. Otherwise, uh, Thanos can get, you know, his Infinity Stones and and win, right? Um, do I still have the game? Yes, I do, because actually, uh, what are the odds? Today, tonight, we're going to talk about a game from the OP, and actually, Thanos Rising is published by the OP, uh, also known in the past as USAopoly, uh, and I, I kept still like some other games, like I have the Thanos Rising, and it's been a while since I played it, actually, but I like it, and I remember I had some promos for it, I remember buying it on the Gen Con that came out, uh, which most likely was on Gen Con 2018. Uh, also, uh, I have the Batman. Um, I think it's the 
the Dark Knight metal. Well, it's the is the the Batman who laughs Joker, which is from the sh- from the series of the Dark Dark Knight metal uh, from uh, Snyder as well. If you are into comics, as me, and um, I have that one, and I I also enjoy it. The, the production is very great with the cool mini in the middle, and I have the Star Wars version of it, which that one was released, I believe, only in Europe. Uh, but my good friend Mark Dainty, which who I give a big shout out, uh, I remember back then he helped me to get the, the, the game, uh, which by the way, you should follow his YouTube channel, Not Board Gaming. Uh, he does great reviews and playthroughs as well sometimes. But anyway, we talk about Thanos Rising back then by the OP, and that game is still in my collection and probably will stay in my collection for a while. I don't see why I will sell it or give it away or, or, or something, so... So there you go. As a tradition as well, I want to, uh, you know, my way of interacting with all of you amazing listeners is mentioning at least the top countries and the top cities that were able to listen to the previous episode, which in the previous episode, uh, it was the Gen Con episode. We do two Gen Con episodes per year. One prior to the convention. I know by the time of this recording, which which is uh, October 17, SNH Spiel or Spiel the Jar has already happened. But I'm just giving you the input, right? Because life has been crazy and now I'm back finally into the microphones and ready to record um, way more often than before. But uh, we do an episode where we assess the list before Gen Con and then after Gen Con, which is the Gen Con episode, and basically we talk about the games that uh, publishers kindly provided for, for that episode. Uh, so you can check it out. But anyway, thank you. The top countries were uh, United States, United Kingdom, Germany, Canada, Australia, Japan, Spain, Colombia, Mexico, and Netherlands. Uh, the cities will uh, Lowell, Massachusetts, Adachi, Tokyo, Minneapolis, Minnesota, uh, Indianapolis, Indiana, of course, um, in Frankfurt, in Germany as well, in Bogota, in New York, New York, Chicago, Illinois, Melbourne, Victoria, and Raleigh, North Carolina. Those are those were the um, cities that listened, well, the top listeners to our our previous episode, so thank you so much for that. Tonight, we're going to talk about four games, four different games that, big disclosure, um, they were provided as a review copies, so I really appreciate um, and say thanks to the publishers, but of course, I will give you my trust and honest opinion, and if I like them or not, or if they're going to stay or not, and or what are my thoughts. Um, so there you go. So with that, let's start with the episode. Let's Well, not with the episode, let's start with the games. And I will hear you a little bit after this. So first, we're going to go into the sea, and we're going to situate ourselves uh, in a huge, huge and beautiful blue beach where we are ready to surf and we are ready to have an adventure there. And of course, I'm talking about the perfect wave, 
which is published by the OP. Uh, according to the BGG or Board Game Geek, it has a 7.2 on rating. Uh, it was released in 2023. Grab your board, paddle out, and surf your way to great greatness. Uh, two to four players. Um, the community says it's best with two. Uh, 30 to 60 minutes. H8 Euro Plus. Weight complexity of two of five. The designers are Jason Mowry and Chase Williams. Artist is Patrick Espaciante. I hope I pronounced that kind of correctly. And a publisher, like I mentioned, is the OP. What's going to be happening in the perfect whale? Well, in the perfect whale, like the description say, basically, we're going to be trying to, you know, paddle into the sea. And in that way, we can catch a big, huge wave. And in that way, we can surf. And that's going to be just one big wave that we're going to try to catch, which that's why it's called the perfect wave. And... Uh, that wave is also going to translate uh, with the mechanics to some victory points uh, with another combos and tricks that we're going to be doing in our paddleboard. Uh, and then at the end of the game, whoever has more victory points will be the winner. And how are we going to accomplish that? Well, on our turn, we're going to be conducting um, several actions, right? So just like many other games, you're going to have two action uh, points that you can spend per turn. And you can do... You can manage basically the way by placing cards on a tableau. You're going to have a tableau with uh, a few spaces. And going from left to right, uh, you're going to be um, setting cards on this tableau. And the farthest that you go on the right, thematically, that's the biggest the wave is. Um, now, each section is going to have uh, victory points at the bottom. Meaning that the farther you go, you're going to get more victory points per space, like 10 points. And then it's going to, you know, escalate uh, to 20 points and then 30 points and at the end 40 points. And also you have, you're going to have your little paddleboard guy on the left, on the leftmost space. And you're going to be adva advancing him with some cards. So that's it, it. All the game is going to be conducted through through basically hand management and card management, if, if you want to call it. Uh, so during your turn, you can from the middle, from the you know the area where you're going to have wave cards and you're going to have also maneuver cards uh, and trick cards as well. Uh, you can uh, take a wave card and you can add it to your hand. Or the other action that you can do is you can take a wave card and play it now. Here is the thing: when you play uh, wave cards, you're gonna you're gonna place them uh, face down into the leftmost space. Now, all these cards are gonna have numbers, and you wanna place them with a number either equal or higher to the one that you placed previously. Ideally, you wanna fill uh, the whole board, which you will have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten spaces from left to right to score more points but that won't necessarily happen every game because the the end of the game can be triggered prior to that and maybe you didn't got to finish you know the whole wave or the perfect huge wave that you wanted to catch and also you probably were not able to bring your surfer all the way to the end of the wave so it has a, a few different twists that you have to keep in mind as you play um, but anyway you're going to be placing these cards Another action can be, uh, you know, you can take a maneuver and you can play it. Um, you, uh, you, 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 you're gonna use basically those maneuvers to do different things, sort of such as like moving your 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 surfer deep into the ocean, trying to catch that wave. Right, you're going once again going from left to right. Another thing that you can do is you can play um, uh, three cards from your hand, and then um, those ones will be. Um, you know, uh, face down 
and those will be above each section of the wave. And those uh, three cards are going to have different abilities, such as like if you play those cards as part of a set, uh, well, they will give you extra points. Or if you place those, those cards above an odd or even number, victory points and so on and so forth. So you're, we're going to be doing this until the end of the game is uh, triggered. And the end of the game will be triggered when uh, there's no more cards on the maneuvers deck. Uh, the maneuver deck will be set up different according to the number of players. And, you know, as one of your actions, you can take cards from there to do certain things, to advance your guy, to do different abilities. But um, it, when, once that deck runs out, the game ends immediately. So, at that point, depending on where your surfer is, you're going to reveal your cards, and then he's going to basically try to start to surf on that wave, which hopefully was the perfect huge wave, all the way towards the shore uh, of the beach or to the beach shore. Um, and uh, you're going to gain points in different ways. Uh, every wave card is going to give you victory points. Um, every set of cards are going to give you uh, victory points as well. Um, you're going to have run victory points, you know, depending on how far you went. You're going to have three cards victory points. Uh, there's going to be goals that we're going to be sharing and also public goals as well. Um, with the public goals, depending on and when I play the two players, basically, uh, it can only be two goals that you can choose. And as part of your actions as well, you can use basically the whole turn to select one of your one goal, one public goal. And then, and you know, there's only two that you can choose or, or together as a table. So once the two goals are chosen, well, the other ones are basically lost for the rest of the game. So you're going to get a, a point for those public goals as well. And uh, from your private goals that you're going to get a, a private goal at the, at the beginning of the game, there are certain cards that they also let you, you know, get more uh, private goals in a way. Uh, so you can score those as well at the end. And then, um, you know, at the end of the game, whoever has the most uh, victory points will uh, win the game. Um, and in case of, if there is a tie, well, the, the highest number on the wave card on the player board is the winner. And if there's still a tie, well, the second higher number wave on the card player board is the winner and so on until you got the one that basically caught, uh, or caught the perfect wave of the biggest wave. Now, this game doesn't have a solo mode, an official solo mode at least. I haven't checked on, on, on the VGG if there's a, um, a fan variant or not. So let me tell you uh, my thoughts on the game. I think the game is very fun. Um, I, I played it two players, and I also experienced it three players. And um, it, it worked well. Um, the game is fairly quick. I mean, it tells you that it plays in about 30 to 60 minutes. A two-player game will be probably somewhere between 30 to 40 minutes. Three-player, you're hitting the hour marker. Um, so it, it's good. Now, the art is something that some people found it, well, mixed mix, mix feelings, I guess. Because, literally, you have on your board, uh, and I'm opening here, I have the game with me, you have on your board um, a flat, basically like orange, like kind of like an evening or dawn um, horizon, and then you have the, the, the beach, right, the blue color of the beach, just like very flat. As you play in your cars, going from, for example, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, all the way up to 12, in each of those cards you're going to have an illustration of a wave, very generic, but you're going to have an illustration of the wave, a bigger wave, bigger wave, bigger wave, as you go into the, those numbers. At the beginning of the game, the art can seem like very, I guess, flat. That would be a way to call it. 
But once you play the game and once you reveal those cards and you have the effect of the wave, especially if you were able to to make a wave that it went, let's say, 6, 7, 8, 10, 10, 11, 12, you can see the nice and the cool effect of the wave going down all the way into the shore. So I thought that was pretty cool. And it was one of those weird situations like, yes, I agree, it was kind of flat, the art, very, you know, generic. But then when you have the wave, that's like a cool effect and it gives you some sort of nice <laughs> satisfaction. The other thing that I'm not sure, though, is that it seems like the like the rule book and the cards and the insert of the box, it seems like it's made out of like a, a recycling um, material. And I think that was pretty cool because I don't think I have seen that in any other game and and you know i really like that i really like i mean the, comp the the quality of the cards is very standard and very cool but once again the, the insert that's what caught my attention because it looks like definitely like from a recycling process or material or something and and i think that's great um because you know basically you always get the plastic and um now i'm not sure it's just the impression that it gives me but i, I think i think these two ones they they did it on purpose to I guess send the message of we have to take care of the environment and especially with the theme of the game. So at least on that on that end, it's of course thematic. Um, you have some tokens, cardboard tokens, very you know decent quality. Uh, you have I didn't I didn't talk up during the explanation of the game, but you have some surf uh, tokens that you can use during your turn to more than likely advance your surfer because that's also an important part of the game. Uh, you have the paddle boards and the surfers and. Uh, you know, player eight cards, which of course that's always a plus and that's all, something great. I cannot understand on this time of days games without eight cards or without having the eight uh, glossary, I guess, at the at the back of the rulebook. This one doesn't have the glossary at the back of the rulebook, but at least you get the eight cards and they're very self-explanatory on what you're gonna do on your turn. One thing that I wish it could be something nicer and, and something cooler, I guess, is the... Um, the your surfer um because it's cardboard which is fine it's not an standee but on both sides you have the the surfer like paddling like you know laying down um i'm not a surfer by any means but basically like laying down on the paddle and as they're you know kind of like swimming and going towards the wave that's cool but i would like if at that time that you're ready to resolve your wave that you would be able to flip that token and now have the guy surfing. That would be super cool. And that would be like even more like a little plus, right? I would have liked that. So that's that's something that I don't know why they did it that way. You know, I don't think it adds any cost. I would think like for graphing designing standpoint, maybe maybe the printing. I don't know. Uh, but I would have liked that. I, I think I would have enjoyed it way more. Would I would like to have a um, um, miniature? Probably not. Would I enjoy a standing? Probably not. I think the cardboard token works great. I just would have preferred if, like I said, it would have been double-sided. Just for my own immersion. <laughs> you know how I am. My own immersion and enjoyment uh, of the um, trying to attach the lore of the whatever the game is proposing uh, towards the mechanics, I guess, and, and, and make sure that everything works and assembled together. Um, perfect way overall, overall, it's a game that I can fairly recommend, um, it's a game that I think it will work great for two players, um, it works great with three players, I haven't tried it at four, but I don't see why not, and it's one of those games that I wish, um, they added a solo mode, because I think I would enjoy it, um, once again, 
I'm not a surfer. I mean, I grew up in the beach, actually, um, uh, in South Texas. So that's something that I, I can relate, but not to the surfing, more like to fishing. But that's besides the point. I think the game works well. I think the mechanics are smooth and solid. I think it's a, a simple family, in a way, game that it can be appealing for gamers and also for people that are just starting in the hobby. Um, I don't know about new people. I mean, it's, it's fairly easy to explain, but I think this is more like for either people that are starting on the hobby and us actually people that are already, you know, being there for for many, many years. I think this is a, you know, a nice game for, you know, like a couple of wine, uh, a glass of wine, I'm sorry, and 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 just play something, something chill uh, without worrying too much and just to have fun. Uh, the art on the box, it's pretty cool. Uh, the box is fairly small and it fits great on your calyx <laughs> so um or on your um uh, you know gaming storage area so that was the perfect way by the op once again i really enjoyed it uh and from zero to five where i have to rate it i will probably put this game at a 3.5 uh being a light you know solid game where i i'm willing to go back if, if someone tells me like hey Derek, let's play the perfect way i probably most likely will say yes uh, it's a game that I can see myself pulling it out of the shelf to, you know, play a, uh, during a game night with my friends, with my wife, you know, with even with with people that they don't play as much um, because it's, I think it has a very friendly access uh, to it. So that was the perfect wave. And from the beach, we're going to take a trip um, to Egypt and we're actually going to go back in time too. And we're going to talk about another game that I was very happy that they gave me a copy during the convention. I talk a little bit about this game in the, I think during the Gen Con episode, and actually on the pre-Gen Con episode, because I believe this one was on my list. And I'm talking about Pyramido by Synapse Games and designed by Iguan Kwon, and the art is the Creation Studios. Synapse Games, I mean, just to give you a little bit of, the, I guess, debrief on the, on the subject. Um, it's... um. A publisher that I have seen, as probably many of you, grow over the years. And I'm very happy to see how they succeed with their games. I started, you know, a nice friendship with Carl Breer, which he's based on Canada. And he is, you know, basically the person um, that I have the connection with, uh, with Synapse Games. I remember uh, on one of my first Gen Cons, they gave me a copy of Incubation, which is a game that still you can find them on their website, I think. Uh, very family game, you know, trying to hatch uh, dragons, eggs, and stuff. Very simple. But I still have that game just because sometimes those connections that you get into the hobby, uh, you know, mean more than, than even if the game is fantastic or spectacular or not. But anyway, I met with Carl during the convention. He talked he talk me through Pyramido, and I was like, I need to get a copy of this because it seems great. So let me give you... Uh, the um, facts from BGG, and then I will tell you if I ended up liking the game or not, of course. Uh, in BGG 7.4, it was released in 2023. Uh, construct a magnificent pyramid uh, of dominoes, brick by brick. Uh, two to four players, uh, 45 um, minutes, or um, a little bit higher, I guess. <laughs> and um, H8+, plus, weight 1.7 uh, out of 5, uh, and... Once again, the publisher, it's Synapse Games. Now, this game, you can play it solo, actually. Um, so, 
I don't know why um, in the box it doesn't say, but there's there's um, a way to play it solo. Now, basically, the game will work the same. Uh, what are we going to be doing on Pyramid? Well, we're going to be trying to build our pyramid. And this, we, this we're going to be accomplished with some jewels that we will have, or artifacts, and with some uh, dominoes that we're going to be placing as we go through the game. So at the beginning of the game, we're going to have three different piles of, uh, of those dominoes, right? And then from those uh, piles, uh, we're going to be, uh, you know, drafting uh, different dominoes that we're going to have the options to, to draw for. I'm sorry, you're going to have four piles and then you're going to add um, uh, one from each side, basically, and you're going to have options. You're going to have three options to get uh, on each round. Um, you're going to have different colors. You're going to have, you know, uh, brown, which represents more like the earth part of it. You're going to have red, which represents kind of like the fire. You're going to have uh, blue, which is like the sea or, or, or the river. And then you're going to have the sky blue, which is like, the, of course, the skies. And yellow, which represents the treasures that you can find on a pyramid, which that's more like an abstract way of seeing it, I guess. But anyway, so you're going to be on your turn grabbing a, a domino and placing it. All right. And you're going to start with a grid at the base. Now, as you are building your pyramid, you have to be aware that uh, um, the first level will be a five by four squares. Um, so you're going to have your domino, right? And you're going to place it. Uh, this is good for the first level. So this stage, the first one, is going to require you 10 dominoes. So you're going to be placing, let's say you place a green domino. Uh, and then once you place a domino, if it has a symbol and you have that symbol available on your jewel or artifacts, with you will start, they're called uh, jewel basically, markers. But if you're going to start with, um, you know, six different ones, you're going to place your jewel on that pull and that um, domino that you place that has the symbol. Now, if in the future you place another domino and you don't have the jewel anymore, don't worry, you don't have to place it. It's just to mark that you'll replace that jewel. Uh, so from them, you're gonna try, of course, like domino, try to attach all the areas together, right? So then you're gonna continue to place, grab one, you know, from the four different piles, you're gonna have three piles where you can choose from. Um, and then uh, you're going to grab your domino, you place it, and you place your jewel. At the end of the first stage, once everybody has gone and completed their 5 by 4 squares, um, or 4 by 5 depending on how you want to place it, uh, then you're going to score points for every area where you have your uh, one of your jewels and the symbols that you have there. So, for example, if on the gold uh, area you have 4 anks, on printed on the dominoes, but you you also place a jewel there, which it will be most likely an ang jewel. Then you're gonna get four points for that area and so on and so forth. You uh, you're gonna be scoring like that, and then um, you're gonna be replenishing the query basically from those four piles of dominoes that you set up at the beginning of the game, and you're gonna be ready to start the second phase. And on the second phase, now you're gonna be placing the second level on a four by five. Um, so basically, what you're going to be doing is like thematically, um, which is actually not a four by five, I'm sorry. Um, you're going to be basically doing a less one area from the border, if that makes sense, to be uh, having a, a, a second level, to basically have a four by three. And you have that uh, outliner area from the previous stage that is going to help you to score. After you finish each stage, 
you're gonna score different you know points based on the jewels and the icons they're called prestige points that you get on each domino but also the minority of those areas will give you uh, three prestige points uh, so that you once you complete the stage one then you do the stage two which is a four by three so now you have a second level on top of the first level and as you place your dominoes you also is going to score from the ones that are on the outliner border from the first uh, level and then once you complete the stage two uh, you're going to score the same way and then uh, you're going to do a stage three which now you're going to reduce the area um, if, if the previous one, uh, of course, like I, I told you, you're going to have, you're going to leave an uh, outside border and you're going to do the same one for the third level. And then at the fourth level, which is at the end of the, the game, basically, uh, you're going to place only two dominoes. That's it. Nothing else. And you're going to be also placing your markers on each stage to get points for every symbol that you were able to connect through the different levels of the pyramid if that makes sense. Um, the game is pretty simple. I will tell you that. Maybe the explanation through audio is not as simple as it's, uh, as I try to describe it, but that's what it is. Just placing dominoes, first level, then you place dominoes, second level, you leave the outline area, and then third stage, you leave the outline area of the second level, so now it looks like three different levels, and then the last level, which is only two dominoes, and now you have the pyramid of dominoes as well with artifacts that you want to be placing during the game. There's also some cards that they're going to help you as a wilds that you can in, uh, use them during your turn to do different things. And basically uh, placing those cards above previous place domino tiles to change their colors and, 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 and being able to do more, more combos or, or, or more points with your, uh, with your jewels. And that's basically the game. Um, what do I think about the game? Well, the game, I will tell you this, the rule book is one of the easiest rule books that I have ever seen for this type of games. Most of the rule book is illustrations. So it has a little bit sentence and then an illustration. Another sentence, illustration. The end uh, game scoring, you're going to get a pad uh, where you're going to be you know, writing down each turn. And in that way, at the end, you score the points, you sum, you add them up, you sum them up. And then whoever is the winner is the one with the most victory points, of course. Um, it has very, very easy entry. Uh, the production of the game, it's great. Um, when I was shown this game, the first thing that came to mind was King Domino or Queen Domino. And I was like, well, this has been done in the past. And actually, with the, with the most recent expansion of King Domino or the, the version that came uh, with expansions and, and different modalities, um, actually did a great job. So to me, it was like, why would, why would they make this, right? It's very, fairly similar. The twist is on the scoring and the levels. And that's a very interesting twist that it's enough to make this game feel and play completely different to King Domino or Queen Domino, which is the the nearest comparison that I can make. So, with that being said, this is a game that, in my opinion, is worth having, trying, or keeping, even if you already have King Domino or Queen Domino. Now, if you have King and Queen Domino, you have to be a fan of those those games. Otherwise, I, I, I wouldn't keep both. Like, if I would, I only need one King Domino or one Queen Domino, and that's it. But this one, though, this one feels different. 
Um, during the convention, I think on the website, you can find like uh, player mats, neoprene mats. Uh, basically, they're like the same dimensions like for a TCG game. So you can use it for that as well, for a card game. Uh, I regret not getting one of those because they're they're beautifully made. Uh, and basically, that's where you're going to pl- build your pyramid and everything. Uh, the interaction between players, I mean, it's minimum to a way that it doesn't have any take that or anything that you can steal from other players or nothing like that. The interaction from the players, the most will be from when you're drawing those tiles and basically like, okay, we have the... I forgot what it's called. I, I mentioned it a little bit ago, but basically you have the three um, options per turn. And if you know that other player needs the brown ones and there's only one brown domino, well, probably you're going to go and get it. If it helps you or probably just to mess with them up in the way they don't score points. So that's the main interaction between players. Other than that, it just goes fairly fast. The game plays super fast and you're going to be scoring a decent amount of points as you play the game. The meeples that you use for the jewels, you know, very standard, nice quality um, um, component. They have the shapes of the ankh and like a little bird and and like a, a little, um, I guess it's like a mask or, or grass or something. And then you have a little cat and, and they're cool. They, they look nice um, on the table. Of course, it helps for the immersion as you play the game. Uh, and yeah, overall, I think, I mean, I think, I think the theme that they put on the game is very cool. Uh, but I also will agree that it's an abstract game. I mean, you can do any theme you want and, 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 and I mean, of course have to be pyramids, but it doesn't have to be, you know, you can call it something else and do, maybe you're building something else, not a pyramid necessarily, but I mean, it, 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 it it's abstract, but at the same time it's thematic because it's the pyramid that you're building. So um, the art is good on the box. The box is a small box that you can that you can take anywhere. Uh, plays fast. It works great at two, three, four players. Uh, once again, it doesn't have too much interaction other than trying to blocking the dominoes that other players are taking. Um, will I recommend this game? I mean, probably you can tell that yes, I, I can recommend it. Um, if you like uh, domino placing games, uh, if you enjoy King Domino, Queen Domino, I think you will enjoy this one definitely. If you have never played any any uh, domino game, probably the most easier to enter to this world will be, and just because of scoring and everything, will be definitely either the first version of Queen Domino or King Domino, uh, because those ones are very fun. If you like those type of games and now you're trying to trying to find something different, um, but sharing similar mechanics and, and, and just something that is gonna feel with another twist, then Pyramido it's it's a game that you should check out. Um, I think another very cool thing about this game is that it's very language independent or completely language independent, by the way. So that's always a plus because you know anyone can play it doesn't matter if 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 you know like uh, of course the rule book you want to kind of understand or someone to teach it but once you teach it you can play it with anyone anyone no matter the language because um that's something that this game has very cool that is zero language dependent so that's always 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 a plus um do I'm, am i gonna keep this game definitely do i recommend it yes for sure and i'm gonna rate this game probably at 3.3 um out of five it's a game that i enjoy um, it's a game that, you know, if someone tells me like, hey, let's play the game, sh- sure. 
if someone uh, comes to my house and they're like, well, I know they enjoy King Domino, Queen Domino, those sort of games, even Polyomino games, I probably will, will bring this one uh, to the table as a cool option. Uh, but yeah, that was Pyramido, Pyramido, and I really enjoy it. Once again, you can check it out. It's from Synapse Games. Um, recommended from me, and, and there you go. That was our trip to Egypt. Now, from Egypt, what do you think if we go to the Middle Earth and we go to the land of um, Mr. J.R.R. Tolkien? Uh, and we're going to talk about the game that people like how it looks in the table. The feedback that it has got, it has been more negative than positive. Actually, when I demoed this game at Gen Con, I was hyped because the theme. But when I demoed, um, I just didn't didn't cut my attention, right? And this is something, another subject for another time, I guess, where, where we talk about uh, the demos at conventions or at game stores that sometimes the person that is demoing the game could have or should have or probably most likely have a huge impact on your experience as a, that person that is trying to demo a game. Uh, and I don't blame the, the exhibitioners by any means. I mean, sometimes, you know, it's hard to... To, I mean, do play the same game one turn over and over and over and over for three or four days. Uh, also, I mean, you know, you get tired of, of, of being on your feet and all day and talking and everything. So I don't put it on them. But anyway, my point is that when I demoed this game at Jenkins, I was like very, very disappointed. But anyway, let me tell you what I think. Uh, I'm talking about The Lord of the Rings Adventure to Mount Doom. Uh, it was released this year, of course. Use dice to help Frodo to reach Mount Doom. Uh, it's a one to four player game, plays in about 50 minutes. Uh, it has an age 10 years of plus. Uh, weight complexity is 1.7 out of 5. The um, designer is Michael Rinick, and the publisher is Cosmos, which, once again, they were very kind in sending us a review copy of the game. Uh, for us to try, check it out, and share it with you. And now we um, we're gonna do it. Um, so basically, the game we have the fellowship, and we're trying to reach to Mount Doom. That's it. That's we wanna we gonna we wanna make sure that Frodo makes it, and we wanna destroy the ring, right? Now, one in, well, I'm gonna mention this at the end of the game, but um, but at the end of the um, the review, I'm sorry. But basically, that's that's how it's gonna be, right? So on your turn, on the setup of the game, let's start with the beginning and the way can, I can have more context. You're going to have spaces at the bottom of the board, one to six. And you're going to have different areas where you're going to be going with uh, the fellowship as you go through, uh, you know, uh, Mount Doom. Uh, you're going to have places like uh, Lothorian, which is where you're going to start. Um, then you can go... Um, or Rivendell. Well, you're gonna start Rivendell actually, but then the next the next phase will be Lothorian. Uh, then if eventually you're gonna go through Rohan. Then eventually you're gonna go through Helmsdeep. Then uh, eventually you're gonna go to Gondor. Then uh, uh, Minas Morgul, and finally to Mount Doom. As you go, you're gonna face the orcs, and you're gonna have the Nazgul, the nasty Nazguls as well. So every stage 
you're going to review a card from the area that you are from one to six you're going to leave the one and six face down and you're going to have them from two to four that's usually how how it's going to be uh and then during your turn you're going to have a tile which is like the book tile and you're going to roll uh two dice and you're going to choose uh basically uh where where which colors of dice you're going to use because each character will have different colors and basically the dice that you choose are going to be the number of spaces that these players are going to move. Uh, and then you're going to also roll a black one and that will tell you which event cards from the ones that are face up or face down are going to trigger. And then you're going to do it again in that way at the end of the turn you have two dice, which means two different heroes and two black dice. Then you're going to resolve the event, the event first uh the first black die for the event so it can be allies it could be enemies or um or different things right items that you can find uh and then um the you're gonna resolve the hero die which it will allow you to move spaces towards the next stage like i said rohan and so on and so forth um it has an interesting way of combat uh because you're gonna have a combat die that you're gonna roll but you also on the combat die you're gonna have different symbols that represents the weapon or weapon of different um, ally, right? So, for example, for for um, Aragon, you're gonna have a sword. Um, so, Legolas, you're gonna have the arch. So, the thing is that in order for them to support you, they have to be between the same area. Meaning that you cannot be in one area, and then let's say Legolas is on Rohan. Well, Rohan is not near to you to help you out and back up. If they're in the same stage, well, then everyone's fight. So if you keep the fellowship together, um, the more easier it will be on combat to overcome the orcs or, or whatever the enemy is. And once again, those enemies that you're going to fight are going to be resolved by the black die that you roll, depending on where they are on the, on, the, on the bottom of the board from the area one to six. If it's an ally, well, you get it and you add it to your hand and then it's one, one, a one-time thing that you can use to mitigate roll, to ignore rolls, to avoid rolling the, the bad guys' uh, dice, to remove Nazgul from the board, because at some point, if you have all the Nazguls in the board, well, you lose the game. That's mainly the, the, the way for you to lose the game. And once you do your turn, which is sort of like, in a nutshell, what I explained, then is the next player turn, and then the next player turn, and so on and so forth. Um, you don't have a particular character that you're playing with. It's not like you're, okay, I'm Frodo, you're Legolas, you're Aaron. No, 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 no. We all have access to the same heroes. So when I do my turn, you know, I basically decide what to do with the characters. And then the next player will, when they do it, they resolve. Of course, as any cooperative player, you can tell them what to do or they can tell you what to do. But um, that's what it is. Um, the the each, each stage will end... Uh, once um, a fellowship uh, figure, or the the ring bearer, the ring bearer, which is of course Frodo, um, roll uh, roll the roll, roll a dice and it gets to that destination, and then once the ring bearer gets there, we go to the next stage as well. Uh, you're gonna have a track on the board, and I'm trying to just simplify things. I have a track on your board of your life, with your life, your your health track, kind of like if that one gets all the way down, you lose the game. Because, of course, the enemies that you're going to be fighting, they can damage you as well. Uh, and either you're going to be able to take the ring to Mount Doom, or the Nazguls are going to overcome uh, the Middle-earth, or you're going to 
be defeated depending on what is the outcome. But that's how the game is going to end. I mean, you have two losing conditions and two win conditions. Um, and you have, once again, um, different cards and things that are going to be playing during your adventure or your game. Uh, on the back of the rulebook, you have card information, what each thing does, which that's always helpful. It's not a, it's not a, a player aid by any means. It's just explaining you uh, you know what to do, but you have some play, a player aid card that will tell you, um, you know, what basically what to do, and that's it. So, what do I think about Lord of the Rings <laughs> Adventure to Mount Doom? I'm gonna tell you the pros, we're gonna start with the good stuff. Pros the art is great, I really love the art. Um, it's not the art from the movies, it's not the art, clearly not from the books, it's just art by um, uh, by the artist that made it for the game, and the art is really appealing. It really transports you to to the whole lore of the Lord of the Rings. So I really like that, and that's always a plus. The components are good are good quality for the price because this is a game that you can find. I think the retail price is around thirty nine ninety nine uh, U.S. American dollars. So for the price, I think the components are very cool. You have cardboard standees that they were great. Once again, each hero will have a different color base. Uh, and uh, the game will tell you which color base is for each hero. Uh, and then um, you also have each uh, color wooden die for each hero. In that way, you know which one goes with, with, with each one of them. And you also have the two black dies, once again, for, for the enemies, wooden as well. And you have the little... Um, I guess, uh, book where you're going to be allocating these dice to in order to resolve them. Um, the theme is a win for me. Uh, and I want to make a big clarification here. This is inspired by the, or in the Tolkien novels. And he's not following exactly those novels, neither the, neither the movies. So keep that in mind. Because if you come to this game and you're thinking that this is based on the movies or on the... I mean, this is exactly like the movies or exactly in, like in the books, you will be disappointed. Because, of course, spoiler alert, if you haven't seen the movies, for example, which it might, I would think it would be easier to read the books, um, the main thing is that Frodo, with along with Sam, is trying to reach to Mount Doom to destroy the ring... Why, while the fellowship is trying to do different other different quests, is trying to prevent different things to happen in that way, Frodo can make it. Uh, you don't have uh, Gollum here, for example. That would be great to have another mechanic of Gollum, um, you know, as a standee or something. You don't have it there, which that's, I guess, a con as well. But it's because it's, it, it is inspired by the novels, uh, but is not the same story as the novels, neither the movies. So that's another thing to keep in mind. Um, it's a very fun solo game, actually, and I will tell you why in a little bit. Um, it can be challenging since most um, is mostly is based on luck by rolling dice. So if you don't like games where everything or most of the game is luck based and is rolling dice for every single thing, this is not a game for you for sure. Um, it has replayability due to the difficult of the game and the various encounters that you can find as each stage go as as you go through each stage because each stage is going to have a certain number of cards but you only draw six so in order for you to see all of them it's going to take you a few plays 
to experience them. And anyway, once you see them all, they're not going to be in the same order every time that you play. And just because the nature of the luck of dice rolling, you won't have the same game over and over, if that makes sense. Um, and this is clearly a more family weight game. And I can see myself in the future playing, you know, with, uh, like I shared in the past with my twins, they're babies still, but I can see myself, hopefully, fingers crossed, if one of them happens to like uh, some things that I like, like Lord of the Rings, I can see myself playing with them, or even if they don't like Lord of the Rings, this could be a generic fantasy board game where I can just tell them like a brief story of what we're doing and let's play. Uh, Cons, and here we go. (sighs) If we're playing cooperative, I will never play cooperative unless it's with the kids (laughs) because this is definitely a huge, 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 huge risk of of a player game. Even if you do a house rule where you're like, you know what? When it's my turn, uh, you don't tell me anything. And when it's your turn, I don't tell you anything, which that wouldn't make too much sense because at the end we're trying to be that fellowship that... Uh, brings the ring bearer to destroy the ring. Um, even that is going to be like downtime between turns. So that will be another con. Uh, this is this is definitely a game that it will be into alpha player big time um, because the nature that you're not that you're not controlling a certain character. You're controlling all the characters. And if that's a problem to you, then def- def- definitely this is not a game for you. Now. Not that they compare by any means with mechanics or nothing, but one of my big things with Zombicide is when I play it solo, you have to control six characters. Here you're controlling, I believe, five characters, if I'm not uh, remembering correctly. Um, But it doesn't feel terrible. I mean, it's easy to do. It's very easy to do solo, so it's not the same. But if if you don't like controlling many characters, then this is not a game for you either. Uh, If you don't like luck or randomness, this is not a game for you. Uh, is doesn't have too much strategy involved because it all depends on the rules. Uh, and then I guess the whole, the whole strategy will be like, okay, should I go to the next stage or should I stay to help Frodo, basically, when he fights or everyone else? That's the strategy. And, and, and hoping that the luck, you know, doesn't screw you up. Uh, if you're looking for a heavy Lord of the Ring game, well, you might as well look to Journeys in Middle-Earth, which is a fantastic, more heavy game right or you can go to the lcg from fantasy flight um you know it's a great it's my favorite living card game lord of the rings they actually have one expansion for the fellowship of the ring where you can play through the actual movies so if you're looking for something more heavy this is definitely not a game for you um so yeah those are my impressions on the lord of the rings now i will tell you something else when i was talking about the constant pros this is a game that I will keep. Why? There's a few things, and these are weird things. The production of the game feels very nostalgic. Like, everything is cardboard. And it almost feels like... It almost feels like an old game, in a way. Like a classic old game. That I'm happy to go back when I want to play a light Lord of the Rings game. Not every Lord of the Rings game has to be super heavy. If you want something heavy, if you want something longer, I recommend you definitely those two experiences that I mentioned, right? The LCG and uh, Journeys in Middle-Earth, uh, which is probably one of my favorite dungeon crawlers, by the way. But this one, it's more light. It feels, it feels more nostalgic. It feels more like 
you're going back to an old board game in a fun way. I will keep it for solo because the way I set up the mood for, for the game is, you know, I play the soundtracks, I play lay up the board, and I have fun. And it's hard because it's based on luck, but that's okay with me because I don't mind those mechanics and I don't mind those situations in games. But that's the big thing. Like it, It's a weird situation because it's hard for me to recommend this game just based on what I told you. Now, I will say this. If you're like me, if you play solo and, and you like the theme and, and, and you want to have that nostalgic vibe of Lord of the Rings or you want a lighter, way lighter game version of Lord of the Rings and you're like, you know, I'm mostly going to play it solo or with kids, this is a game for you. I can definitely see a group where... If you're playing cooperative and everybody's like enjoying to do the best for the team and we don't care too much about alpha player and yes, I, I don't mind, you are right with the decisions and I'm just going to roll and try to follow your advice because that's the right way, the right thing to do and whatever, this is a game for you as well and for your group. But I can definitely see that in most groups, in most gaming groups, this game won't fit. So I can only recommend this game for solo if you keep in mind what I told you and if you if my gaming taste I guess align with yours. That's my thought on the game. If I have to rate it for solo only, I will probably rate it at a 3.5 out of 5. Of course. Remember all my ratings are from 0 to 5. Don't think like when I say 3.2 3, is all the way to 10. No. For me it's 0 to 5. And uh, this one probably will be a 3.5 for solo only. If I will have to rate it cooperative it will be way lower and it probably will be somewhere around a 2.5 or, or probably a 2. Uh, just because the alpha player or even if you house rule it, the downtime. Unless, once again, you have that group which is very unlikely. Or cooperative with the kids, then I can definitely see having a good time and the rating changing. But I'm, I'm, I'm trying to base like in a, you know, gamer, um, you know... Um, veteran gamer, I guess, or or, or, or or like a decent years of gaming experience out there. And if you're playing with the group, this is where, you know, it might be a little bit difficult, in my opinion, though. So, anyway, that's that was Lord of the Rings. Published by Cosmos once again. Adventures to Mount Doom. I will keep it for solo. I enjoy it. I will play it again. I will share pictures again. And I had a blast with the soundtrack and letting myself immerse into the game. The game is hard, which is always good because it incites you to come back to the game and try to win and defeat and make sure you bring the um, ring bearer to Mount Doom in the way you can destroy that precious ring. So that was Lord of the Rings. Once again, Adventure to Mount Doom, published by Cosmos. And the last game of the night, uh, we went from... A nice beach in maybe South Carolina or Hawaii or Texas. We took our trip to Egypt and we also traveled through time to the pyramids. And we talk about Pyramido. And then from there we went to the Middle Earth and the fantasy world of Mr. Tolkien. And from there we're going to come back to our world. And we're going to go to other beautiful place where we're going to be uh, building uh, gardens um, and and doing beautiful things with resources and building beautiful panoramas as we go as well as I'm trying to open this box to uh, talk to you of the components you know as, I, as I'm recording these episodes 
I have the physical copies of the games with me, and I'm feeling the components in that way. I can I can tell you what is going on. But anyway, long ago in a beautiful eastern kingdom, a queen and her people pleased their gods by building a mystical uh, pagoda or pagoda. I hope I pronounced correctly. The pagoda house of the four gods and towered strong over the magnificent kingdom. As time passed, the queen fell ill and she summoned her people to compete for her crown. The crown will be passed on the person who could build the most pristine garden around the pagoda or pagoda, uh, and the heir will be chosen by the four gods themselves. And I'm talking about four gardens published by Arkane Wonders. And according to BGG, has a 7.0 rating. It was released in 2020. Uh, Turn the mystical pagoda or pagoda to build beautiful panoramas. Two to four players, 45 minutes to play. Age 10 year plus. Complexity 2.3 out of 5. Uh, designer is Martin Dolezal. Uh, artist is Rechance. And publisher is Korea Board Games. And many others around the world. But once again, uh, here in United States... It's published and distributed by Arkane Wonders. What are we going to be doing here? Well, we were trying to please the gods. We're going to have four tracks for the four respective gods. They go by color, yellow, red, purple, and blue. And we're going to have a huge, nice tower, a new uh, pagoda or pagoda uh, in the middle of the table. You're going to assemble every game. Don't worry. Once you build, this is a nice thing that I'm going to talk about at the end. Once you build the pagoda, you can easily storage it in the box and then you can put it back again every time you play now each level of the pagoda is going to have resource one is going to have wood the other one is going to have uh, grass um, rocks and water so when you place them it's going to be random which goes in which level and which one is facing because each uh, level is going to have a phase with three resources two resources one resources zero resources you're also going to have some uh, cards that are going to be your panoramas uh, and you're going to start your game with some of them and as you're playing basically what you're going to do is um, you can do many things you have three actions during during your turn and um, each, each action will require you to play or discard one card from your hand you can um, lay groundwork which, which basically means you play one card from your hand into your garden and you're going to have the groundworks of uh, face up because these cards from one side is going to be a beautiful beautiful panorama and on the other side is going to be the groundwork which basically you're trying to build it uh, so that's one action that you can do and uh, there are certain rules regarding uh, laying the groundwork uh, like you cannot lay this the same number or the same um, kind of like type of groundwork because each card is going to have a level uh, one two three or four so you can, if you already have a one orange let's say you cannot place another one orange so on and so forth um, then that's one action. The other action you can do is like each card that you discard is also going to have a symbol uh, of the four levels of, of the four levels of the, of the pagoda. We're going to call it pagoda, and then you're going to rotate it either clockwise or counterclockwise, either that level only or every level from that level and above. Uh, and then you're going to get um, the resources that are facing you, uh, depending if the card tells you from top to bottom or bottom to top. Uh, you can also use, uh, if the card has a symbol of uh, take a wild, um, you can discard that card and collect that wild resource from the supply. And uh, you can reallocate the resources uh, because you're going to have, you're gonna have um, space or storage for four resources only. Um, 
you can uh, reallocate the resources and you can uh, allocate them either on the uh, on the storage or on your cards. Once you fulfill the requirements on each card uh, for the resources that they need, then you're going to flip it. And now that part of your panorama is built. And you're going to be doing that basically every turn. Um, there's going to be bonus tiles as well that you can get, which they will give you extra storage. Uh, so now you're going to have five. Um, another one that is going to give you four wild tokens that you can take from the from the storage from the supply i'm sorry and uh, extra victory points the first one to get it it will be four uh second one third the last one two so on and so forth now the important thing is that when you build a panorama it's going to have the symbol um corresponding to one of the gods once again either yellow red purple or blue and every time that you build a panorama you're going to see the symbol and then you're going to advance yourself in that track um as you build though those panoramas you're going to be also triggering the effect of the previous on the same row, build the panoramas, so you can advance in one track, maybe three or four times in one turn. Uh, each track is going to, you're going to start the game on, on level three, but it goes all the way from two to ten. Here is the one of the one of the twists on the game of the mechanics. If you are at ten and you, let's say you're at ten blue already, and you have to advance two more on blue because you build a panorama and you're triggering the effect of a previous panorama as well, Instead of you advancing, you can move backwards any of the players that are behind you on that track. So if someone was at 3, for example, since they start from 2 to 10, and you, you can push them back twice because you got two advancements, on that, on, two advancement triggers on that track, and you will take it out of the board forever. So they cannot score any more points on that particular track for the rest of the game. So it's a very punishing mechanic take that in a way so you have to be aware that as you play and you build the panorama you want to make sure that you advance in all tracks because there's always those people that can start to build like crazy those and trigger those abilities and then try to kick you out of those tracks for you to not score at all and that could be definitely a game changer um the game is going to end depending on the number of players but if you're playing a two-player game once you have t uh, 10 complete uh, landscapes you end the game. Um, uh, then you just finish the current round. If you're playing a three-player game, nine cards or nine landscapes needs to be completed. And if you're playing a four-game, eight landscape should be completed. And then um, once the game ends, you're going to calculate your score by adding your points from the gods tracks, like those four tracks that I told you. Basically, from they go to two to ten, so you're going to see where you add and you're going to get your scores. And then... Um, you also gonna get any additional uh, that you earn either by extra reward bonus tiles, most likely. And then the player with the most points will be the winner. If you have a tie, well, um, the whoever did the most uh, landscape cards um, win, um, and the largest panorama that will be another tiebreaker. And that's basically it uh, of how the game plays in a nutshell. Um, here's the thing. Let's talk about the, the, the positives. The components in the production is beautiful. The game looks fantastic on the table. It's one of those games that as you're passing by a table and you see it, you're like, oh, what's that? I want to play that. I want to at least see how it plays or at least I want to see it and, 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 and experience. I want to demo that. I want to, uh, you know, it's very appealing because you have that tower that is very solid and that is, is very well done. When I was building, this is another pro, when I was building this tower for the first time, I was like, oh man, if I have to take this, all this, if I have to unassemble this, 
for the storage, like meaning the cardboard and the plastic and everything. I was like, that's it. Like, I'm not keeping this game. It's too much. This is one of the few games where you build stuff and the insert, the original insert, is so well done that everything fits. So you basically separate the four levels and you put them in each space. That's very nice. And then on the insert, you probably hear it here, you have a space for each token. So you can storage it most likely however you want, and it will be fine. It will be fine. So I really like this insert. Um, you don't have cards, so you don't. there's not this, the, the topic of sleeping. But, um, because I will tell you a little bit of the story, but, um, but the insert is perfect. It has space for everything. Well, you actually have the cards, I'm sorry. Um, if you sleep them, they probably won't fit on the storage. But I will let that pass because I will tell you something else. Um, you can always throw the storage away if you want. But also, the game comes, like, after you put the, the four levels of the Pagoda and everything on the box, or Pagoda, um, it comes with a plastic tray they have spaces for each of the resources. So you can take that tray out of the box and that's your holder for the for the resources, which is pretty cool. Um, I was talking about the cards because recently I got the He-Man uh, pledge from Simon and it's a beast. It's a bunch of cards everywhere. So of course I just leave the whole game. And then when I was trying to storage it back again in the boxes with the original inserts, it didn't work out. So then I, 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 I said something on BGG as far as like on on the forums, right? I was like, well, I mean, I I, I wish uh, you know uh, publishers could think that nowadays not everyone, but a lot of people we sleeve our games and we like to sleeve our games, and maybe they need to, to start to think about us too. And they told me that basically the inserts are for shipping purposes only. That after that you can storage or try or trash them or whatever you want to do. Now here, Arkane Wonders went above and beyond and did a great insert for the game. So I have to say that that's another pro. Another pro is the art. The art, the, the art is beautiful. The games looks, the game looks beautiful. The cards are beautiful. As you're building the panoramas, you're actually um, contemplating the art and appreciating the art. And you're like, oh, that's cool. That looks beautiful and this and that. So at the end of the game, once everyone has panoramas and stuff, it looks great. Um, is it has a very um, you know in in a good way you get that satisfaction feeling as you're playing the game. It's not like in your channel it's like oh I don't I don't have anything to do or yeah no I mean you always will have something to do and the fact that the cards you can either play it or discard it and most likely will do something beneficial to you is very enjoyable, very 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 enjoyable. You have also I didn't mention this but when you're drawing cards because you're gonna you need to always have I think it's four or five cards every turn. Um, you can draw either from the three available on the board or from the top of the pile. Uh, and th that, uh, if you draw that pile, replenish right away. So you're always looking at nice art and this and that. And then when you lay out the groundwork, you know, very nice symbols, very easy to read, very easy to understand uh, what to do with each card. And like I said, you're usually discarding to get resources to storage. One of the limitations on the game is the storage. And that feels a little bit tight to my taste uh, just because... Um, you only can keep four or allocate them on the, on, the, on the groundwork. So that could be something that, it's my opinion, feels a little bit tight, but I can see why on the mechanics. Another thing is that um, it's one of those games that requires a lot of like orientation of like, okay, where are the resources? Because you're always turning the tower. Uh, and even if you're looking for stone, let's say, and you go to the tower, and now you're like with one stone or zero stone at the top level or the mid level or the bottom level, because probably you didn't remember 
that where it was placed or where was where was the orientation of the tower prior on turn prior whatever so that's something that you have to keep in mind as well um that i think is very important as you play the game for strategy wise to try to win uh, i really like i really enjoy the fact of the tracks that you can push people out because it feels like a take that in a way even if it's not a take that and i i like you know take that games uh if this is something that kind of like bothers you i mean maybe you have to think about if this is the right game for you but for me i love it uh because once again once you explain the game to players you have to make sure to tell them like hey you want to make sure that you advance on tracks otherwise most likely i mean you can be out and if you're out of one track most likely you won't win because it's it's huge it's huge because you're not scoring any point and the other person most likely because they took you out there are at least a 10 points so 10 points different in this game you're you're done um but yeah it's a game that i really enjoy um it's a game that probably uh from the games tonight it's gonna be my highest my highest rated my highest rated game this from zero to five i will probably put it at four just because the production has a huge value uh, the gameplay huge value the downtime i mean there could be some downtime between turns but not that much because the turns go very very fast um the the symbology on the cards is pretty easy to understand uh the mechanics are pretty easy and once again the love that you can tell they put into this game going by the insert just going by the insert i mean that tells you a lot so um huge huge um high five and and and, and thumbs up to arcane wonders uh for doing that and and, and even the box is beautiful it, it has beautiful on the front um and 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 yeah and this is one of the dice tower essentials by the way and it won the it won the KB, uh, kbg design contest winner in 2008 which is the korean board games design contest um but once again i highly recommend it doesn't have a solo mode unfortunately officially but this is a game that you can play i know this sounds like a cliche but you can play with anyone you can play with heavy gamers they will enjoy it you can play with new people you know people that just been playing for one year or so they will enjoy it you can play with people that don't play games i can see this game being able to play with my parents or or, or someone else that doesn't play games with my you know some aunts or whatever um <laughs> you can you can play this game for sure with them um so this is definitely a, a, a one that i will keep in my collection this is one that i will recommend for competitive games um family game collections and yes this is someone that this is a game that if you have someone to play with definitely 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 check it out because i really super duper enjoy it uh with that being said we're reaching now the end of the episode uh, once again, we changed this format not too long ago where we decided, or I decided, I usually use the Royal Wii, but um, um, I decided to change the, the um, basically the, the flow of the, of the, of the episodes, uh, do some feedback that I received from some of you, which I really appreciated, that instead of focusing on only one game, I should talk about more games. Uh, also, uh, you know that I'm a solo gamer. But once again, if this was your first time in the podcast, or if you are an avid listener, um, you know that I don't necessarily talk exclusively exclusively about solo games. I also bring competitive games as well that publishers kindly 
and I'm very thankful they sent to me for review purposes and uh, and so on. So um, I'm always also because I'm lucky enough to play with my gaming group, with friends, and with my wife as well. So I have the opportunity to play competitive games. So that's why um, I also talk about competitive games. But at least I try to bring at least one game, or that's my promise, at least one or more games that are solo focused, just like I did with the Lord of the Rings on this episode. I hope you enjoy. Uh, if, if you did, please um, subscribe in um, any platform that you're listening to, either Spotify, um, uh, uh, TuneIn, uh, Apple Music, Google Play, uh, whatever it is, please subscribe if you enjoyed it. Please share it with your friends. That's the big thing um, that really helps. If you uh, can rate the episode wherever you're listening, if, if it's iTunes and you can rate the episode, that's fantastic. I will really appreciate it because that's a way that I can receive some feedback from you. If you want to reach out to me, you can do it to solobgpodcast at gmail.com. If you want to suggest me any subject, any game, or maybe you want to come into the show and talk to me, well, I'm more than happy to always have you for for, uh, for an episode. Uh, once again, social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or X, uh, solobgpodcast, you can find us there. Remember that if you happen to speak Spanish, we have a Spanish version of the podcast where I do it with two of my other friends, um, Solo BG Podcast in Espanol. You can also find uh, find us on any of the platforms. Um, so, and once again, thank you for being here. I really enjoy being back in the microphone. And um, now it's going to be more consistent. I promise that to you. And with that, until next time, see you through the speaker and at the tabletop. Drink tequila, spit summer at a Mexican bar. Crockett and I'm driving my car Maybe life is simple and I'm making it hard Maybe I should separate my brain from my heart Drove my motorcycle, breathe fumes on I-65 Texas Rose Nowhere left to go to go